0: Hey, this is Kiran Agraw from the Sparking Entrepreneur Show and today we have Brian Ahan with us. Brian is a dynamic keynote speaker, author, coach and consultant. He is one of only a dozen individuals in the world who currently holds the CMCT, Cialdini Method Certified Trainer designation and one of just a handful to earn the CPT designation. Brian's passion is to help you achieve greater professional success and enjoy more personal happiness. So with that being said, let's hear it from... Brian, Brian, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you for having me on. I'm excited to have a conversation.
0: Brian, we are excited to hear it from you. So let's begin with your journey. When did you choose entrepreneurship and coaching?
1: Well, I got involved with coaching uh, quite a while ago when I worked for a large insurance company. We had a sales training program. And then to supplement the training, we developed a coaching program. So I got involved with that 20 years ago or so. Uh, also around the time I got involved with Robert Cialdini and, and his work on influence, I knew when I got involved with Cialdini's work that this is what I would do with the rest of my career. I was fascinated by it. I loved reading about it. I loved teaching. And so I always knew that there would come a day I'd leave the insurance company. I made that decision five years ago. Uh, I had been building my business on the side, but when I made that choice to leave, I already had the website. I was three quarters of the way done with my first book. So I really had a good foundation to step into as a full-time entrepreneur.
0: Wow. So when you chose entrepreneurship, uh, what was the intention? Like, what was the problem you were trying to solve?
1: Well, I start with my why. And my why is to help people enjoy more professional success and personal happiness. And I think a big, big key to that is the ability to ethically influence people, to get other people to say yes to the things that you need to get accomplished, especially in business. But even as a parent, life's a little more pleasant and happy when your spouse or kids more willingly do what you want. I know from experience that the vast majority of people do not understand the science behind influence. And so that means most of them stumble through their day just uh, trying to get people to do what they want. Some people are manipulating, some are just doing it poorly. And so I think bringing the skill set of influence and being able to help teach and coach these people will allow them to enjoy that success that they work so hard to try to attain. And everybody would like to have a little more peace and happiness in their life on a personal level.
0: Of course. Of course. So great professional success and enjoy more personal happiness is something that you stand by and that you're trying to bring out to the audience. Uh, Let's begin with how. So influence is something that you speak about a lot. Tell us, uh, what are some, some key aspects of influencing someone personally or professionally?
1: Well, at a very high level, influencing people, I believe, begins with building good relationships. And and there are key principles of persuasion that can help make that happen. Even if we have a good relationship with people, they may still be unsure what to do. You know, Kieran, I may really like you a lot, but I'm still not sure if I should follow your advice. So there's a couple of principles of persuasion that are very effective for helping people move beyond uncertainty. Even if we have people who like us and they know what they should do, there's a lot of people who will still drag their feet. It could be a fear of change. It could be many different reasons. But sometimes we then need to motivate them to take action. And there are some principles that are very good for doing that. So at a very high level, that's where we start with relationship building, dealing with uncertainty and motivating people to action.
0: So starting with relationship, helping them navigate the uncertainties and then motivating them to take an action. Right. Correct. Uh, Can you please dive into each one of them a little bit and explain it? How?
1: Sure. So in building relationship, the first thing that we start with is what's called the principle of liking. And all of your listeners will understand this. It's easier for people to say yes to them if those people know and like them. Right. So we focus on helping people build relationship through this principle of liking. But the key here is, Kieran, it's not that I am trying to get you to like me. It's that I am doing whatever I can to come to know and like you. Because once you begin to get a sense that, hey, that guy Brian really seems to like me and seems to care about me, that's what opens you up to the advice that I may be sharing with you. Mm -hmm. Um, It's not that hard to get people to like us. I mean, we can offer genuine compliments. We can talk about things that we have in common. But my focus is always telling people, don't do it to get people to like you. Use that psychology so you come to like them. And again, that opens them up. So that's the first principle that we talk about. Another principle that that works well for relationship building is called reciprocity. So if I do something that genuinely is beneficial for you, if you're like the typical person, you probably feel some sense of, wow, that was really nice. You want to repay the favor. And I'm not helping you just to get you to do what I want. I'm helping you because I've invoked the principle of liking and I've really come to know and like you. So I want to help you. So what I'm doing, my giving for you is now genuine and authentic. And again, you receive it differently. And so your desire to repay that favor, so to speak, or to want to help me uh, comes from a very good place. And so we've formed this, I call it a virtuous relationship because I've come to know and like you, I'm genuinely wanting to help you, and you're starting to like me and genuinely want to help me, and together we can accomplish much more. Mm -hmm. So those are two principles that we talk about most often when it comes to building relationships.
0: Wow. So there is a lot of research, I suppose, that has gone into it to bring out these, these simple sentences that will help individuals like us to understand influencing to a much better extent. How about masses? Uh, so individually, it's, uh, we have gotten some insights, but if we want to influence ma- influence masses, are there any strategies there as well?
1: Well, I think when you're influencing masses, so for example, if I am speaking from a stage and I'm trying to influence those people to uh, do some of the things that I will be sharing, I think certainly being an authentic individual um, helps them to relate if I can bring forth some personal stories, so I've been married for 37 years, our daughter just turned 28, she got married. If I can weave these personal anecdotes into the things that I'm talking about, all of a sudden, people who are married can relate to me. People who have raised children can relate to me. People who have participated uh, in a family wedding uh, recently can, can start to understand me more. And so I try to be very open about who I am and authentic. Uh, there are times where I talk about certain subjects on stage and I have to pause because my voice breaks and I can feel that I'm tearing up because I love my wife so much or I love my daughter. And if I talk about them, um, people connect with that. Mm-hmm. And, and all of a sudden they're they're saying like, this guy is like me. And so they want to hear what I have to say. So th- I, I try to do that um, even individually but when I'm gonna be on a stage, I realize it's very important for me to be very open and authentic.
0: Wow, got it. So Brian, uh, can you please speak about the clients a little bit? Tell us about whom do you work with and how how do you serve them the best?
1: So my my marketing efforts primarily go towards insurance companies, insurance agencies and insurance associations. I spent almost 35 years in that industry. Uh, I understand the mechanism of insurance, homes and autos and businesses and things like that. Uh, so that's a huge market here in the United States. And I can spend an awful lot of time just reaching out to those. I do have clients outside of insurance, but most of the time they find me because of my association with Dr. Cialdini. Mm-hmm. So for example, I worked with a hearing aid company that's um, headquartered in Germany, but they have a North American operation One of the co-founders had read Robert Cialdini's book many years ago, and he knew that these principles could help them do a better job in terms of their marketing and selling of their products. And so he located me on LinkedIn and I started working with them. But with limited time, I am going to focus most on the organizations that I will have the best opportunity. And when they see that I have all of this experience in insurance, they are much more open to talking to me than somebody who's never been in the industry. Within that uh, arena, the people that understand this the best, they get it quickest are salespeople. Mm -hmm. Salespeople realize if they talk differently to a client and they're able to get the first meeting or overcome an objection or close a sale, they make money. And so they tangibly see how this skill of influence can impact them. Uh, But I also do a lot of work with underwriters people who are in claims, uh, leaders. So there's just a very broad application for what I do. But I think as an entrepreneur, your challenge is always, where am I going to focus my efforts? Mm
0: -hmm. I would
1: much rather find an industry and go deep with them than just trying to hit everybody and really water down my message and
0: what I do. Totally, totally. So insurance is something that you, like 80%, can we say that?
1: Uh, probably 80%, 75, 80% probably.
0: Got it. Got it.
1: So for okay. example, I'm, I'm traveling the next two weeks and I will be working with insurance companies and I've got a, a two more opportunities in February. They are insurance companies. Mm-hmm. Uh, in March, I'll be working with a technology company though.
0: Got it. Got it. So let's try to understand sales because you have mentioned sales a little bit and sales personnel. So what makes a good salesman? And uh, what makes a bad salesman? Tell us, tell us a little bit about
1: that. I think I think good salespeople um, believe in the company that they work for, in the product or service that they sell. Good salespeople are not trying to just make a sale. They are genuinely trying to help those that they consider prospective and current clients. Um, if they are tapping into the principle of liking, as I shared earlier, And they're really getting to know and like those clients, they are going to want to put forth their best. They're going to be open and honest about what they can do and what they can't do. Because quite often, uh, a salesperson doesn't have all of the products or services that a client might need. But Kieran, if you were my client and I said, you know, Kieran, we can do 80% of these things, but here's 10% that we can't do. But I know somebody who can do that and I make that connection. I am engaging reciprocity. I'm still helping you. You're thankful that I made that connection. So I didn't have to make that part of the sale. I just needed to make sure that I helped you. And mm. so I think that the good salespeople are looking to, to genuinely help. And then the next thing I'll say, too, is they they know how to ask good questions and they spend the vast majority of their time listening to their clients so that they can fully understand them, so they can bring the best solutions to the table possible.
0: Got it. Got it. So listening is one of the most important skills and being likable, and likable could be done by liking the other person, trying to like others. Uh, If we were to ask you about a success story from a client now, Uh, So first, tell us about, do you work with B2B clients or do you go B2C? And then tell us about the client success
1: tool. I do both. Uh, For example, a lot of the insurance companies that I work with, they are marketing their efforts towards the independent insurance agent. Mm -hmm. So that's not the final purchaser of the product. Mm -hmm. But I do a lot of work with agents. And then the agents are the ones who are dealing directly with the consumers. Mm
0: -hmm. So
1: it's just a matter then of taking the The principles, these universal principles that we talk about, and and helping them understand how to apply it in their business model. Mm -hmm. As far as a success story, uh, one of the ones, a business success story that I'm most proud of, I worked with an insurance agency that was in a suburb of St. Louis um, in the state of Missouri. And they were looking to move their operations into the city so they wanted to move out of the suburb into the city they had these plans for a building and they were in a contentious relationship with the individual who was for lack of a better term on the historical preservation society for the city so they were going to build this beautiful new building and they said you know um, they're complaining, this person's complaining about the height of the fence and where the door is going to be and, and all of these trivial things. Uh, it could have been an exertion of power. This person might want it to exert their power. But nonetheless, they weren't able to get the deal done. So we were having a coaching session after the training. We were talking about all of this. And at some point, it occurred to me. And I said, you know, it seems like you both want the same thing. You want a building that your customers and clients will be proud to come to. The city wants a building that that the residents of the city will be proud of, that will preserve the, the history and, and things like that. So I think you both want the same thing. And that's what you need to focus on. Mm-hmm. So uh, about a week later, after the training, they were going into their negotiations. And I got a number of texts from one of the family members. It was a family-owned business saying, hey, we're going to go into the negotiations today. Um, We have reviewed the principles and our conversation. And ultimately, they got the deal done. Because the guy said, when it got to the most contentious part of the negotiation, he put out on the table, he said, I think we both want the same thing. We know you want a building that the city will be proud of. We want a building that our clients and, and customers will be proud of. Can't we figure out a way to make this work? And the lady said, I've never drawn a line in the sand that I wasn't willing to cross. Thank you for being willing to work with me. And they got it done. Mm -hmm. They've been in the building now for several years. And what I took so much satisfaction out of is, even if people don't know it, every day that those um, uh, employees walk into that building and may do so for the next 25 years, I had a hand in making that happen. And the same thing with those clients. And this family-owned business, the next generation that takes over, they may not know the story, but I know the story, and and their parents know the story. That if it were not for this training, they might not be in that building. Mm-hmm.
0: Wow! So you have created a big transformation there. Uh, did you did you uh, did you find anything uh, that is uh, replicable time and again in in the process? So do you find some steps or methodologies or strategies that you tend to lean on time and again?
1: Um, I think when you go into a situation and you are stepping back from it to say, OK, what's what do I really need to do here? Do I need to build a relationship? Or do I have a good relationship and they're in the state of uncertainty? Or maybe I even have a good relationship. They're not sure what to do. We need to focus on uh, motivating people to action. That thought process serves most people well in almost every situation, because it begins to inform you as to which of the seven principles of persuasion you should be focusing on. Because a big big challenge that people have, seven is not a lot to remember, but when to use them is the critical thing. Mm. And so if we give people a framework for how to use them, then they are much better off. Now, that's one application. When I work with salespeople, we start at the prospecting all the way through closing the deal and getting referrals. At every step, there are certain principles that will be more effective than others. And a third framework that I t- teach people is when you're dealing with different personality t- uh, types, there are different personalities that respond to these principles differently. So ultimately, I can give people of three different frameworks depending on what position they're in, if they're in sales or if they're not. Um, so that's how we approach it. Got it. Got
0: it. So you are also an author, Brian. Uh, tell us about the books. How many?
1: So I've written uh, three books that have been published. I've got an ebook that that when people sign up for my blog, they get a free copy of the ebook. And I have a fourth book that's coming out this summer. Um, my first three books um, all revolve around influence. The first one's called Influence People. It's kind of a business psychology book that looks at these principles of persuasion, uh, their application in business. It looks at business case studies, social media, et cetera. Uh, my second book was called Persuasive Selling. That has to do with taking the principles and applying them throughout the sales cycle into different buying styles. And then I know that there are some people who will never read a business psychology or a sales book. So I challenged myself during COVID. I thought... Can I write a story, like a parable, mm. to teach these principles? And so I wrote a book called *The Influencer: Secrets to Success and Happiness*. And it's a story about a young man who uh, learns from business coaches, mentors, uh, clients, etc., throughout his career. And it really, all the people who are in the book are based on people that I learned from during my career. And these principles of persuasion are. Uh, taught throughout this individual's journey in his career. The fourth book that I've written, which comes out this summer, has nothing to do with influence. Mm. Um, It has to do with my relationship with my father who served in the Marine Corps during Vietnam and the impact that that had on him and the impact that it had on me and our relationship. And so that's coming out in early June.
0: Got it, got it. And what are some ways of getting those books?
1: Uh, the first three books, Amazon or Barnes and Noble, uh, if you go online, you can get any of those books. The fourth book that's coming out will actually be available in bookstores. So you'll be able to get it at Books a Million, Barnes and Noble, other bookstores, as well as online in paperback or in Kindle.
0: Got it. Got it. And what are some ways of reaching out to you, Brian, now, because people are getting curious?
1: Uh, the best way would be LinkedIn. Uh, I, you know, if if somebody is listening to this show and they reach out to connect, I, I guarantee you, if you don't put a, a note in there that, hey, I heard you on the podcast, I will be sending a message back to you saying, uh, how did you find me? Mm-hmm. Um, because I like to understand where traffic is coming from, why people are connecting. Um, and I understand too, that a lot of people may not be as savvy using LinkedIn. And so they don't always put a personal message but I don't wanna reject somebody just because they didn't put in a message because I have had thousands of people connect with me because of my courses on LinkedIn. They Mm. took a course and they clicked and all of a sudden they're sending a request to connect. But I also think it makes social media social. And Mm. so people really get a little interaction with me when they reach out to connect on LinkedIn.
0: So LinkedIn is one of the best ways of reaching out to brands. So do reach out to brand. Uh, One question about misconception. So what are some misconceptions that you feel that are around about coaching?
1: Probably the biggest one is that I don't need a coach. Uh, I I think a lot of people feel that way. And yet we would look at athletes and realize they would not be who they are without the coaching that they have received from most of them from the time they were children. They have been coached in whatever their sport is and how to excel in that sport. So why do we think that we don't need to be coached? Um, It's easy to read a book, and I'm a big reader, and I've taken certain concepts from books, weave them into who I am and how I do things. But I know that the accountability piece uh, helps tremendously. I know that a coach can ask questions that make you go, huh, I never thought of that before. And so it's stimulating new thinking and new possibilities. So the biggest conception would be, I don't need a coach. And yet, I think everybody does, maybe not all the time, but periodically to help them stimulate growth, have accountability and and be the best version of themselves.
0: So I don't need a coach is a big misconception because everybody needs a coach. It's more of a need than a want. Uh, That leads me to the final question for the day, Brian. Tell us about the action steps so for an entrepreneur uh, listening to this conversation or uh, uh, anyone in general what are some action steps you would suggest they take after listening to this conversation in order to either grow in life or to grow in business
1: well as i said earlier i i think that the ability to ethically influence people is a big key to your professional success and your personal happiness. So I would say next steps, people should explore whether or not they want to get involved to learn more. Certainly they could pick up my books and that's a a first like baby step forward, Uh, but I would encourage them to take a look at the Cialdini Institute. Now, if you connect with me, I'd be happy to share more information, but through the Institute, you can get that in-depth self-paced online learning from Dr. Cialdini himself. And you have access to that course for a full year once you go through it. So you can go back and continue to review it. There are also opportunities for people to um, do online live sessions where Dr. Cialdini is uh, talking about different concepts and answering questions. So to me, that would be the best step somebody could take if they realize, I need to be better at this skill of influence.
0: Totally, totally. So do reach out to Brian, get the books and then research about the Charity Institute. You may reach out to a Brian and ask him the same. Uh, tell him that you found, uh, reach out to Brian and tell him that you found him on the Sparking Entrepreneur Show, uh, say hi. So thank you so much, Brian, for such a great conversation. It was a pleasure to meet you today and an honor to host you.
1: Thank you, I appreciate the invitation. It was nice to get to know you.
0: Thank you again, with that said, I am your host Kiran Nagar signing off for the day. You guys take care, bye guys.